You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. When I first moved to New York City, it was 1994. I, I lived there as a child, but then I went away for school and then I came back. And I felt really lonely. In a city of 8 million people, sometimes you see all these people and you want to connect with them. And I just didn't know how. Seven years later, I went broke and I felt really lonely again because I was so ashamed of what had happened to me. And then I was getting a divorce. I felt really lonely again. And, I, and many times during my life, you feel this, this deep loneliness as if, as if there is a, a storm and it just shipwrecks you somewhere and you're all by yourself. I brought on Uni Tarantini, who's been on the podcast before. She wrote a book called Betraying the Nobel Prize. But now she has a course on loneliness. She has some really interesting insights. Sometimes even when you have friends, I'll go to a networking event and I just won't be able to talk to anybody. There's all types of loneliness. And she has some really good solutions and ways to deal with it. So there's a part one and a part two, but they're both downloaded today. I hope you enjoy. 
Today, Uni, we're talking about loneliness. You have, uh, you have written stuff, you've done videos, you have a course on loneliness. I have an outline of it. Why did you do a course on loneliness? Cause it's such a, by the way, it's such an important topic and it's a really important topic mm. for me. Like I've, and mm -hmm. I'll describe it in a little bit, like maybe you could help me in, in the different types of loneliness I have felt even recently or in my life. But why did you make this course on loneliness? You know, loneliness has been a big part of my life uh, from I was a little girl, actually. My family moved around a lot in Norway when I was growing up. And so I always kind of felt out of place. We, we were different places because my my dad's job. And then so I would be in a new school. I would uh, speak the wrong dialect. My, you know, I was kind of not like the others. So I felt like an outsider a lot of the time and had to sort of make a new foundation wherever we lived. And it was, you know, back in those days, people didn't move around so much like they do today, right? So, um, you know, they have their family, they have their, their, their friends from, you know, generations in the same town. And so I was kind of the only one who didn't have that. So I felt a little bit sort of out of place and lacked belonging. I felt a bit rootless. And, um, and so loneliness was a big part of my life then. And then um, I also felt different. So, so like, like when you, when you moved around from place to place yeah. and you were trying to make friends, there was kind of the, the group that of kids that, I mean, people in Norway don't really move around so much. I imagine, I don't know if yeah. you were moving around Norway or the world, but uh, you know, little kids can be mean. And if they yeah. grow up together and there's a new person and that, that person's the outsider and hence the, the, the victim, the one they can pick on, is that what you experienced a lot? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So that's, I experienced that. And then after, you know, even after, you know, I kind of, when I was in my teens, you know, we, we kind of stabilized and we moved uh, right outside of Oslo, the capital. And so we lived there and, you know, things stabilized and I changed my dialect, you know, again, and <laughs> spoke like the other kids and try to be like the other kids, but I still felt very much different from, from other people. And I think I was just trying to fit in, trying to be like other people uh, growing up and being, you know, you know, even a, as a young woman. And that really, and that, that is really, um, it's a kind of a different kind of loneliness. When you, you kind of forget about yourself, you lose connection with yourself. Yeah. Um, trying to fit in and trying to be liked and trying to do all the right things that you think the other people are going to approve of, that has always sort of stayed with me. And then I moved, I moved abroad. First of all, I was in a, um, an exchange student in high school through this exchange program. They sent me to Kansas City, Kansas. So I spent a year there and that was really fun. And, uh, but I was always, you know, always the, the sort of the outsider and the different one uh, there too. And then I came back again, and I decided, you know, as soon as I can, I'm going to study abroad. So I started studying law in Norway. And then in the middle of my law studies, I moved to Paris and decided to learn French and study law there too. So, so that's what I did. And I kind of, after that- well, aren't you the overachiever? Yeah, right, right. But that's another thing about my loneliness too, is that I, because I had this like emptiness inside of me, this hole that I was trying to fill. And I became this sort of, overachiever, perfectionist, trying to prove uh, my relevance or worth, you know? 
Right. Like, I mean, I feel like I could sue people in every country now with you by my side. Like, <laughs> like that. No, everybody's going to want to be our friend if I'm just suing people in Paris and <laughs> Oslo and. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's not a good strategy for making connection. <laughs> Probably not. Like I think people try, but but to be fair, people try that strategy. People try to get positions of power because then, yeah. you know, status gets you friends. Yeah, right. And, and that fear. I really do think that that is, you know, we try to prove our relevance and prove our worth by by uh, by showing power, right? By by uh, and you know, and even the same. It's a little bit of the same with me too. I was trying to prove, you know, with with all these, you know, degrees and then career and titles and even collecting people. I mean, you know, I was out networking and and meeting people. So I have a good network, you know, pretty much all over the world because I lived in in different places. Um, and, but even even that didn't fill up that emptiness that I had inside because I was so disconnected from myself. So I think that's um, an important aspect of the the whole loneliness is that disconnection, and I think we see that in 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 society a lot around us, right? How I, that I like, disconnection manifests, right? Because there's this other issue. First off, I like how you say there's multiple kinds of loneliness. I think yeah. people think loneliness is just when you're not around people mm-hmm. or you don't have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, so you're at home at night a lot and by yourself and then you feel lonely. But it could mean a lot of different things. And like, for instance, in COVID, there was this particularly extreme kind of loneliness. Like, I wonder, I what was it like for the people who just didn't really know people in their city and were living by themselves and were, they weren't dating anybody or maybe they didn't have family around and they just they were just locked in their apartment for the for a year from the economic, from all the covid lockdowns like what what happened to them i i think it's it's been uh, i think we haven't even really seen the consequences of that of the social isolation because it's really detrimental to our well-being uh being lonely it has consequences to our overall health, both physical and mental health. So, you know, we know that our immune system um, uh, decreases. So we, so we are more prone to get sick when we are lonely um, because we feel miserable. And, uh, and this, is, this is research done. And, and someone who's done a lot of research on this is, um, is Vivek Murthy, Dr. Vivek Murthy, who is, I believe he is, uh, again, the U.S. Surgeon General. Um, yeah, he was under Obama, and now I think he is again under Biden. So um, he's done a lot of research on loneliness and connection. And he says that it's really detrimental. It's more dangerous to our physical health to be lonely than uh, obesity and smoking. Really? Yeah, or smoking um, fifteen cigarettes per day. What? Why? Why is that? I mean, I I believe you when you say it. Like it makes sense. But yeah. when you link it to something specific like obesity, which is always linked to so many major diseases, what does it cause? What What diseases does it cause? Or or I don't know what how to ask. Yeah, you. the way you know we. Human beings are, we're, we're social beings, right? So we are uh, hardwired to, in our brain, to uh, be in a community, to live in a community. 
And we've kind of lost that sort of sense of tribe and community. And it, and that started already in, you know, when, when we, um, in the um, industrial revolution, that's when we sort of lost that sense of, you know, people would move place, move to places for, for work. And, and we lost, you know, we, we sort of were spread, spread out and we lost that sense of the importance of the community which can also be, I have to say, detrimental as well when you are not considered valuable as an individual. Um, that's something that we have a little bit here in Norway, at least when I was growing up, that it's you're only you only matter as part of the tribe, as part of the group, as part of society. But as an individual, you're you're not valuable. Whereas I think today it has maybe gone gone overboard with the individualistic. Um, you know, society that it's all about like me, 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 you know, uh, see me, <laughs> uh, me, 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 all, you know, and, and how, um, and how we have uh, undermined the importance of community and that we don't know our neighbors, you know, we don't know the people who live around us uh, in our near, you know, community. And so, um, so, so we see that in places where people actually have a strong sense of community. And these are called, and they have actually, there's certain places uh, around the world called the Blue Zones. I don't know oh, if you've yeah, heard I've of those, on, right? I've had on Dan Butner, who's the, the author of that. He's oh, a, amazing. Yeah, he's yeah. amazing. He's done some and, awesome And, and yeah, you, so, so, so uh, I'll describe real quickly for the listeners, even though I knew you were about to do it. I'm sorry for, for interrupting. But it's basically these air, like seven areas he identified around the world uh, where people live with a high quality of life to over the age of 100. So there's a statistically high number of people living over the age of 100 compared with every other uh, area in the world. So there's like seven of these blue zones. And one of them, what a lot of it was, and so he would identify, he would say like Okinawa in the, uh, you know, yeah. was a blue zone. And what was what? What's their diet? What do they do? What are their habits? And there's, but all of the areas, everybody was kind of demographically the same, except for one area, which was Aventura, California, it was the only place in the United States. Yeah. And what linked, and he couldn't figure it out at first because they had different diets and they had different this. But what happened was is that Aventura is kind of the home of the uh, uh, a religious sect called the Seventh Day Adventists. And every, I think it was every Saturday, they go hiking together. And that yeah. sense of community, he figured, plus the exercise yeah. is what gave people, help people avoid loneliness and hence they lived longer. Yeah, right? So we should all be in a sect. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Well, but well, know, we, well, we know that being mm -hmm. in a group makes people happy. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. It's really important to feel that you're part of a group, and I think that's what we've lost uh, when when you look at the you know the polarization in our society. You know that's because people don't feel part of the larger group, right? And that is a kind of loneliness. So Dr. Vivek Murthy says is that there are sort of three levels of loneliness. The first level is the intimate emotional level, which is you know, having a spouse or a partner or like a best friend. And then you have the, the second level, which is the relational sort of level of connection, which we need to have a larger group of friends. And then it, the third level is the collective. And I think that's where we get the polarization when we stop, you know, 
we don't mm. maybe trust leadership. You know, we feel that leadership doesn't have, our government doesn't have our, our best interests at heart. You know, all these things, uh, which, which I also touched upon in my book about the Nobel Peace Prize and why that, you know, why it is so important to have, to trust in leadership. And we need all three. Do you think we need all three? Like, uh, like let's say you have a loving partner and you guys live out in the woods and you don't really hang out with friends and you don't really feel like you belong to any collective community. Will you start to feel lonely there or? I think it depends on the person. I have actually experienced exactly what you're saying there uh, because when I was living in Switzerland, my husband is Swiss and uh, we lived in Geneva. And then when our son was born, first born, he, we decided to move up to the Swiss mountains. So we moved up there. My husband That's was traveling a lot. That's gotta be super boring. Exactly. <laughs> and I, you know, I stopped working. I was working in finance at the time and I was used to traveling around and, 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 and you know, uh, taking groups of investors to, to, to see what we invested in and to, you know, and, and traveling and being, you know, to Russia, to New York and, and all these places. And then all of a sudden at home with a newborn in a place where I didn't really know any people and there were a lot of cows, but you know that was pretty much it. And my husband was was away traveling for long periods of, of the, at the time, and I felt miserable. And you know, I sort of, you know, I had, I thought, you know, I had everything that I wanted. I thought, you know, I had a good life. I had a husband, you know, who who loved me, and and a child that I loved more than anything. And yet, I was extremely lonely. So I think, at least for me. It wasn't enough to have just, you know, the loving husband and the child. I need to have uh, people around me. Like, I need to have some sort of community. Yeah. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb I could be making money on that right now by hosting and, and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there and it can, e it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side by side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get 
to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I was just talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. I wanted to describe, because I feel like, so, and then we'll talk about solutions for loneliness because this is yeah. such an important issue. Like you say, it's not just about being happy and, and avoiding mm -hmm. depression and so on. It's it's actually about physical health. And mm -hmm. like people literally have heart attacks when when they're lonely. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of like two different kinds of loneliness, but they represent some of the extremes you were talking about. Like, I remember when I uh, first time, I went, I had made some money selling a business and then I went totally broke. I was living in the place I had always lived, like in New York City. I had, I had many people who considered themselves my friends and my family lived all there, but I was incredibly lonely. 
and and you describe this loneliness like um like i i felt ashamed of what that i had lost all this mm -hmm. money so so it was almost the loneliness was kind of triggered a little bit by this this shame and you say loneliness and shame go hand in hand loneliness yeah. can make you feel as if there's something wrong with you i really felt there was something wrong with me i i uh lost everything i was i was losing my home and i was depressed yeah. and i couldn't sleep so i would literally walk all night because i just couldn't sleep and i had no motivation people would call me but i didn't want to talk to anybody because it was like a self-inflicted loneliness I, mm -hmm. I uh, because of this this shame and, and 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 then shame at feeling lonely about it and i didn't know who i didn't have any ability to connect to anybody because i was so depressed and so on mm -hmm. and then there's another kind of loneliness i feel which you also mention which is i'm i'm a very outgoing introvert and i think people don't understand yeah what introvert means i think they think that introvert means oh you're you're shy and other people are really extroverted they are are you know exuberant and great at a party and whatever and i'm not shy at all i could go up to anybody and and talk to them i speak i have no fear doing public speaking uh i perform comedy and in front of groups of people and one-on-one -on -one, i feel i'm good with people but if i'm like at a dinner party where there's like let's say 10 people or if i'm at a party at someone's house and again about let's say between five and 20 people there'll come a point so introversion being an introvert means you you lose energy with social interaction and at some point you have to regenerate and extrovert from what i understand you gain energy from social interaction again you might still be you might be a shy extrovert and uh, an outgoing introvert but it's just how how people gain energy and yep. recoup it and so sometimes i'm in a situation where i like all the people i want them to like me and but then all of a sudden i hit a tipping point where i've lost my energy and i need to re, re, you know rejuvenate that energy and it's not the right moment for it the party's still going the dinner's still happening and then i start I shut down and I even know in my head, okay, I have probably said my last words for the evening, but then that's where the loneliness kicks in because then I start wondering, has, does, has anyone noticed this about me? Like, why can't I talk to anybody? Uh, why am I like this? Uh, just make small talk, but I can't even do that. I'm literally shut down. I have no energy left, even though I might've been in life of the party, you know, an hour earlier. And, uh, and in those situations, I feel incredibly lonely, particularly if they're ongoing. Like if your if your social group hangs out longer than you're able to uh, hold on to your energy, and if they do that on a regular basis, you're going to feel lonely most of the time, even though you're with people you like and you're friends with, and it's your community and and so on. So though I, I would say on a regular basis, I have felt those two types of loneliness many mm -hmm. times, but yeah. not the type where I have nobody around me because I think I'm so afraid of having no one around me that all the times I've been single in my life, I've actively sought out, you know, friends or dates or things to do or whatever. Cause I know I'm really good for short bursts of time because yeah. I'm an outgoing introvert. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can resonate with that. Cause I think I'm an outgoing introvert as well. 
I mean, I need my alone time. And I think that's it's a it's a it's an right. important distinction to make, right? That loneliness is not necessarily the same thing as being alone, you know, physically right. isolated. So, and and I think the loneliness that hurts the most is is the loneliness when you're surrounded by other people because that's when the shame comes in. That's when the like what 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 is wrong with me that I you know I have all these people around me. I have colleagues, I have, you know, friends and I'm at this this dinner party and then, you know, I I feel just so out of place and I feel like I don't belong here and nobody maybe sees me or understands me, right? So that I think that's a it's it's a, an important and also what you described, the shame that when you when you went bankrupt and you know losing your your house and business and and all the things and feeling that maybe people you know kind of didn't want to be around you because you had failed in a way uh, in in some people's view which I don't believe but but uh, so you felt that that shame which maybe made you maybe also retract from people right because you felt the shame and that sort of it's a vicious cycle of, of yeah and maybe people loneliness. are judging me in those situations and that made me lose trust of my yeah. social interactions as well in a, yeah. in, and on top of being depressed when you're not making the most rational decisions mm-hmm. maybe I lost trust a little too much in people and that happens to me a lot like if I write an article and a lot of people don't like it, and I and I only, you typically when that happens, you only hear from you don't hear from the people who like the article. You only yeah. hear from the maniacs who want to reach out and tell you how much they hate you. Yeah, and then I lose trust again. Like, is everyone like this? Like, why is this happening to me? Yeah, and so so and 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 you you talk about this. So you know you have a section what to do and identify which dimension of connection you're lacking, and you talk about the intimate or emotional connections. Yeah. The relationship relational connections like friends or family and the collective mm-hmm. connections i think for me it's numbers 1 and 2 like i don't i don't ever feel yeah. like i don't belong i don't really care about belonging in my community for some reason and then you say discover your self worth which is incredibly important in in both yeah. the situations i described yeah and reach out i don't know how to do and maybe you could tell me if it's useful or not i i don't know I don't understand reach out because sometimes I don't know how. And I, you're, I think that's a really important, uh, important point that you bring up because, to me, the loneliness. That's uh, so many people tell you that. Oh, you're feeling lonely. Well, reach out more. Call, call, call up people. You know people. Call them up. And you and you can't do that until you sort of rediscovered your self, your self worth. Until you worked on the first, like the the connection with yourself first, and so people always say that, right? but that's mm-hmm. that's really hard. It's really that hard. Could, like, yeah. well, how do you do that? Like, and look, I've had to do it for myself, but how? What's like a? What are some ways of thinking about that? Well, I think you uh, talk about that a, a lot in your work as well. I mean, think about your your book titled "Choose Yourself," right? Isn't yeah. that all about? your self-worth and how to build your, your self-esteem and self-confidence and self-worth. Right. Exactly. It's how you can do that without the permission of others. So often, so a classic example, if you want to, well, two classic examples, if you want a job at at Google, someone at Google has to choose you. Or if you want to, if you want to write a book and publish it with a publisher, someone at the publisher has to choose you. And my view is in almost every situation, where you're feeling that desperate anxiety that someone should choose you, 
you could often take steps to choose yourself. And, yeah. and part of those steps is building a foundation of self-worth in a variety of ways. Like you'd be healthy, you, mm -hmm. you, 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 you tame your emotional, mm -hmm. um, partnerships and connections and, and, and so on. Uh, but it, but it's difficult. It's a, it's a, I call it the daily practice because if you don't, if I don't do it every day, I quickly, you know, slip down the ladder yeah, and, and lose that self-worth. I agree with you. It is a daily practice and a multiple daily practice. And it's a decision that I have to, at least for me, I have to make that decision every day. Right. Like how do you I, do it? Like, you know, it's, it's really about like waking up in the morning and deciding it's it's like you say, well, you know, you have to if you want that job at Google or if you want to publish your book with with uh, an established publisher, you you sort of sit there and wait for them to choose you, or you can decide, make that decision to um, to 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 just own it and just do things and and take the next step forward, even if you don't know uh, what's going to happen next, right? So you have to, for me anyway, that is the. It's it's part of that choosing yourself every single day and deciding that today, I don't know the the ten next steps in in my life, but I'm gonna I know the first one, so I'm gonna do that. So if it is to write a book and publish a book, start writing. Uh, that's really interesting because let's just make it very simple. If you're in a bad situation, meaning. X, Y, Z happened and now you're feeling lonely and you don't know what to do. So it feels complicated in your head. What do I do? I'm, I have, I'm in this networking party and I can't talk or I'm locked down because of COVID. I can't meet or talk to anybody and I don't know anybody. The key is not to go, you know, broad on this, but to go very small. So, well, uh, I could just turn to the person next to me and ask them what they're working on. If I'm at the dinner party, mm -hmm. like think of like two or three moves ahead. Like, and, and this happens in in games a lot. Like, let's say you're playing playing poker and you're you're down to just a few chips, and everyone else has a lot of chips. You're not gonna you're not gonna go crazy. You're gonna say, okay, let's. Here's what I'm gonna do the next few hands. I'm just gonna wait for a great hand, and everything else I'm gonna fold if it's not costing me money. And that's a kind of a, 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 a small strategy. You're just, just, you're just focusing on the next few hands or in tennis, you, your, your opponent is getting you. You just want to get the ball back over the net a few more times and see if the opponent messes up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in chess, you have a losing position. Can I make two or three moves without thinking of overall strategy of the game? Can I make two or three moves where I'm not going to lose immediately? And so here, what you're saying is, in a, in a situation that feels global about my loneliness, that feels desperate, just what are two or three things I can do to, you know, micro alleviate mm -hmm. that loneliness. And usually there's a way, but again, you have to pick correctly. Like I remember one time, so when I, this is 2002, I was, I was dead broke. I was losing my house and I had a new baby and Everybody said, just, okay. And I was just so depressed and, and lonely. I and mean, everyone said, just play with your baby. Like babies always make you feel good. That did not make me feel good at mm -hmm. all because <laughs> babies are hard work. Yeah. And so I had to really focus on, on the baby. But at the same time, I couldn't stop really focusing on my problems because I didn't have any self-worth and I was so anxious. And, and then, and I just, I just, uh, 
I couldn't figure it out. It took me a long time to to even begin to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. That's you know, I it, it's a lot about daily a day having a daily practice. And when I feel really low, there's something um, that I think I mentioned also last time that I do is is you know I sit down and. I don't even want to think about the next step or whatever I'm going to do, right? Yeah. Um, or I and I certainly don't want to reach out to to anyone. And I sit down and I have this like little journal, and then I write, you know, out the question, and I write, "How can I love myself a little more today?" And just writing that question down and looking at the words and just feeling those words, because when I feel really down like that. I don't love myself very much, you know? So just writing that and asking myself, how can I love myself a little more today? And you know, and it's different from day to day, right? Maybe that day I need to just lie down on the floor and take a nap, you know? Or maybe I need to just take my dog and go for a walk. It, it all depends, you know? So I, so I decide on maybe two or three things that I can do for myself that day to feel a little better and to 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 respect and honor myself and that always shifts something in me that takes me out from that very very dark place so 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 there's two parts of this one is yeah. you write down yeah. how can i love, love myself. myself a little better today mm-hmm. and then you take action where you Take you know you do something yeah. like you you take a nap you you treat yourself to something yeah. which shows your brain that you're taking care of yourself that you love yourself mm-hmm. and so your brain's like oh okay I don't need to feel as lonely because she loves me yeah and but but and I mentioned it's two steps because how important is the writing part because I've heard that is very important yeah to me anyway it is it's something about that. Not writing it on the, on the computer or on my phone, but actually writing it out by with a pen, you know, on the paper and seeing the words, you know, to me I, in I a way that does thing. something. Here's yeah. my here's my where I I almost never physically write except on this waiter's pad every morning where I write ideas down. So and that's by the way is another uh, and this is something that I learned from you from you know your last book skip the skip the line and which i really love and i tell everyone to read your book and to and to do this because it's really made such a big difference it's it's um when you can when you're really in a really dark place for me anyway when i when i write down ideas and maybe i don't get to the 10 ideas but at least i get to a few ideas right and then you you also write about that these ideas might, they don't have to be about you. They can be ideas for other people, right? So maybe I'm not in a state of loving myself enough to think about good ideas for me, but maybe I can think about a a good idea for for my friend, right? And so, and I share that idea with my friend. And that just, at least what it does for me is that it takes me down from my miserable story in my head and it it gets me like more into the present moment and away from my problems and focusing on someone else instead so and, i and find that that's extremely helpful maybe maybe part of the writing is because like the reason the writing part is important is because i always say you can't think your way 
out of depression mm-hmm. or you can't think your way yeah. to wealth, for instance, you have to take you have to take action also. Yes, you have to think of ideas and what you can do and so on, but there always has to be action components. You can't say, you can't think in your head, well, I'm gonna love myself better today and then that that's it. You did you did your job for the day. You have to write it down and then take action. And and even yeah. the writing it down is 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 a small form of action. And so, like you say, it's a small step. It's not just telling yourself something. It's actually the first small step of loving yourself is writing is an action writing it down. Yeah. But um uh what other actions do you do to when you're or or what should I do when I'm let's say at a dinner party and don't know you know, and I'm starting to feel like anxious and bored because I, I lost all my energy and, and the introversion is, is kicking in. You know, I am, um, before I would say, I would tell you to just, uh, you know, stay there, pull through, uh, talk to people (laughs) today. I don't do that. I usually try to remove myself from, a party where I feel the energy is low and I don't, I don't get, it's, it's all about relational energy. And it's a, it's a different, it's, Mm. that is a component of the whole loneliness connection, uh, discussion is relational energy. So relational energy is really just the energy that is created in every single social interaction that we have. And and you, and you know how you, sometimes you, you spend time with people and afterwards you feel completely, completely drained. You know, you yeah. feel like, you feel like bad about yourself maybe. And I used to think that there was something wrong about me when I felt like that. And that I had to sort of like make efforts to, to sort of maybe see that person even more to try to figure out like how, what did I do wrong? But today I know that there's just people that, that I shouldn't be around. And, and then I try to surround myself with people who actually bring me energy that make me feel good about myself or challenge me or, you know, something that just sparks something, right? That is, that, that is positive. That's so important because look, you're, you're a writer and yeah. you've written, you know, several books, two books or, or more. I, I know of the two books, the, the Nobel Peace Prize, one betraying the Nobel and then the, uh, the lone wolf killer uh, yeah. book. And uh, I will say writing is a competitive sport. Yes, there's yeah. beauty and art to it, but people are reading your book as opposed to reading another. So there's like a yeah. competitive element. And in a competitive sport, you need to train and be healthy and in physical shape and, and everything. And, and you need to be around other people who bring up your competitive juices, not people competing with you, but people who are supporting you and, mm-hmm. and you're supporting them and you're in this together. And otherwise, you know, if you're with a bunch of losers and you know, some, you know, they're all smoking crack in some crack house, you're probably not going to write a successful book, but unless you write a book about surviving crack addiction or something, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, there's sometimes when you can't get out of like, let's say, you know, in, in my wife to her credit is a great, she is a shy extrovert. So we're a good team. I'm able to go into a situation, bust the door down and say, we're here. And, (laughs) and then I just ran out of energy and she takes over from there. Like everybody 
she's shy going in, but then everybody loves her and she could talk to everybody and has things yeah. to say and she's very giving and and uh, she does it very well. So sometimes you can't just remove yourself from a situation because you're with somebody and it's hard. Like sometimes I'll just go to the bathroom for a really long time, but then I don't want people to think, what's he doing in the bathroom? <laughs> Smoking crack, like what? what's going on? And so, so what do you do there? I tend to find one person in that room that I can talk to because that whole, I think when you're introvert like us, the whole like small talk with a bunch of people it really drains me. But if I can have a deeper conversation with just one person, that kind of saves me. So I try to like sit sit in a corner with just one person or focus on, you know, one person at the at, around the table or, you know, something like that. That's that's usually saves me. So so a loneliness is important to acknowledge when it's occurring and there's many different types. Yeah. Like whether you feel bad around someone, that's a very uh, subtle thing to notice about yourself because like, you, it might be with a boss. You always feel bad when you're having dinner with them or if it's with friends or whatever. Or there's the loneliness of depression. There's the loneliness if you're isolated. There's a loneliness of, um, you know, as you mentioned, there's uh, if you're lacking a, a partner or if you don't have enough friends or if you want to be in a group and, and you're not finding status there. So there's various types of loneliness. Oh, I, I want to ask, how many friends do you think is the, 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 the average person should have? Not that, not that there's a should and not, I'm not looking necessarily for an exact number, but if you have one, that would be great. And then I'll know. But uh, uh, what do you think about when you think like, oh, do I have enough friends? Do I not have enough friends? Well, I used to think that that I needed many, 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 many friends. I collected friends. And, uh, and then it turned out that, that none of them were, were close friends. So I think, actually, I don't, I only, I think that you only need one really good friend. And, really? Yeah. And everything else is kind of bonus. And you think you can make friends later in life? Like a lot of people have friends from their childhood, but let's say you're 60 years old. Could you make a new friend that's such a good friend that this person will appear at your funeral? Absolutely. I, I absolutely, I hope so. <laughs> no, but I do believe so. And you know what? I've changed, and this is very recent. I've changed my perspective and view on friendships. I, me, like I, I've moved I around curious. a lot and I used to be really jealous of, you know, all the people who had um, close friends from childhood and from there were babies and I used to think that that was the thing that I wanted, right? And I couldn't have that because I had moved around so much. So I always wanted to, you know, I was, I would, I would hold on to those really old friendships that the oldest ones that at least that I had. And then, um, and recently, actually just a couple of weeks ago, I reunited with some girlfriends that I've actually known sort of, we haven't, we sort of lost touch for many, many years, but now that I, you know, I moved back to to Norway five years ago, and so I reconnected with some of these old older friends, and we have known each other for thirty nine years. So that's that's a you know reasonably old friendship to me. And then I, you know, yeah. realizing that we have completely gone in different directions, we really don't have you know much to speak about anymore, and we don't really have 
like common values or common, you know, anything. And, and also, you know, discovering that, you know, if they, if people don't wish you well, if you don't get the feeling that they wish you well and they want, and they're happy for you in whatever you're doing, right. Then I don't think it's worth to maintain that relationship. And I think that, and I spoke to another friend about this, who is a more recent friend who I've known for a couple of years. And she says that you can move, you know, you have these sort of like circles of people in your life and you have that very, very inner circle with your very close ones. Maybe, you know, for you, that would be Robin, right? And, And your kids. And for me, that's my and husband, Jay, Mike. And Jay, my and Jay, who, and, who's and, on this and podcast listening. Absolutely, yes, exactly. <laughs> and so, and then you have the the circle around that one, which is more more sort of the closer closer friends and people. And then you have the the circle outside of that again. So you can, and you can move people, you know, in and out of different circles. You don't have to tell them you're doing that, but you can keep a little bit of distance to those who maybe are not like you don't you don't need to burn any bridges. But I'm not main, maintaining, I've just, I made a decision recently is that, is that I'm not going to maintain relationships and friendships just because they're, um, they remind me of something in my, in my childhood or in my youth hmm. out of nostalgia yeah. almost. Yeah. Uh, so, so like right now, would you, how many, let's say close friends do you have? Like people you could call up and tell both. I, I, I saw Jordan Peterson give a talk the other day on, on YouTube. And he basically says, you want people who you can tell bad news to, and they don't immediately say, oh yeah, uh, I, you know, that happened to my cousin's friend also. And then they go on for 45 minutes telling that story. Cause you didn't really get anything out of telling them your bad news. You, you wanted support and help, and instead they told you their own story. And he said, you should be able to tell them bad news and good news. Like they should be happy for you and help you celebrate when you have good news. And they should really listen to you uh, when you have bad news. And yeah. he said, that's a, that's a good friend. Mm-hmm. So how many people do you feel like you have that, like that in your life? I think I have three people like that in my life today. That's good. And so that, that may three. change, right? Like in a couple of years. But I mean, and and now I'm not I'm not hanging on to it either. So if someone sort of removes herself or himself from my and they're not, you know, responding or they're not, you know, reaching out anymore, then they will sort of be removed and there may be, be some others. So I'm not I'm not clinging on to friendships or relationships. And I think I think relationships are are really there to to yes, to absolutely support us and 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 be happy for us and, and wish us well. They're also there to make us grow. And not all of our relationships or friendships are always comfortable. A friend is also someone who can tell you the truth, you know, when with something that you need to hear that you don't necessarily want to hear, you know? Yeah. Right. No, that's a good that's a good definition as well. And then let's say Let's say you're going out with somebody. Let's say you're having a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend and you're not feeling that this is the right thing for you, but you don't, but you know, it's very hard to, those things are always very hard to know what to do and whether to end it or not. Like, what do you do after that? Like, and uh, uh, that's a kind of loneliness as well. Mm-hmm. What, what, have you ever been in that situation? Like what tactics do you use in that situation? It's been a while since I've been in that situation because I've been married for 15 years. Um, so it's been a while, it's been a while, but I used to 
back in those days when I was dating and, you know, we broke up, you know, with a boyfriend, I would immediately uh, surround myself with lots of friends and lots of girlfriends. That's what I would do. And back in those days, I had a lot of people around me all the time because I felt that I needed to be, you know, I was, I was incapable of being in my own company and feeling well in my own company. I was, you know, I just, you know, it was, it was horrible to have even one evening alone with myself. Do you know what I mean? Have you been in that situation? Yeah, or, I, yeah. I, I can't handle it. Yeah. yeah so, so, so I, I immediately, like I go out every night. If, but, but what if you were in an economic lockdown and you can't go out every night yeah. and you really are just lonely? Yeah. Well, then, like then the, you should- in the purest sense. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's, that's when, um, first of all, you should get into my course, <laughs> into my online uh, masterclass and get some support there from, from me and the community and also work on the, you know, the, the self-worth and work on connecting with yourself so that you are actually capable of being um, happy in your own company. Not that you you should be happy in your own company all the time, but at least that you are capable, right? Yeah, maybe list things you enjoy doing by yourself and try to do them. Yeah. Or yeah. like you said, take a nap if you're feeling tired. And yeah. I like I like these uh, like loneliness is very complicated. I like these questions you ask. Like, do you ever feel as if you don't have the support you need? Do you mm. ever feel rejected or invisible, exhausted, burned out, depressed? Like you don't have anything to live for. If you answered yes to one or more of these questions, chances are you suffer from loneliness. And 60% of American adults often or always feel lonely. And you make the yep. point, which is very true, because I was this person, the person with 5,000 friends on Facebook is could be much lonelier than you or me. And yep. I was definitely that person for large chunks of time. And and again, identify, is it a, a intimate lonely loneliness is it relational like not not enough friends is it collective you know take actions to discover self-worth reach out to people as much as you can take i love the take small actions if you don't know what mm -hmm. to do if you're feeling mm -hmm. lost because often when you're depressed you don't know what to do yep. and of course most important people i i want to jay i want you to come on the podcast jay can you uh, open up your video so before we talk to Jay, I, I also want to remind people, how can people find your course? So on my website, uniturettini.com, it's on the website there. You can just click on it and download. There's a free guide there, actually. You can also, from my Instagram account, uh, I'm the only one in the world with my name. So U-N-N-I-T-U-R-R-E-T-T-I-N-I. So you can find me and contact me through my Instagram or Facebook or my website and get access to the course. So in part two, not only will Uni give more specific techniques for dealing with loneliness, but we drill down and find out if Jay is lonely, a young lad from Malaysia stuck here in the big city. And uh, Jay's answers and our, or in particularly Uni's answers to Jay were enlightening for me. So stay tuned for part two. You could download it today. Mm -hmm. 
If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. 